If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Today, I have Kayla Glassman with me. I'm so excited she's here on the show. Kayla not only has type 1 herself. Kayla, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 1995. And how old were you? Two. Two. She was not only has she had diabetes since she was two. Um, she also was the director of programs at DYF, which is the Northern California organization that runs camp that I'm most familiar with. And then she has her own business called Diabetes Support Partners, which you can find more out about at diabetessupportpartners.com. And the mission of that business is to provide support uh, for families in the first year following diagnosis. So Kayla, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And we have a question that um, I would love you to read. Great. All right. So this question says, my six-year-old son was diagnosed almost six months ago. I also have a 15-year-old daughter. I've been teaching her how to help. She knows how to count carbs and treat lows and monitor his blood sugar. I feel really safe leaving him with her, but I also feel worried that I'm asking too much of her. What's appropriate? What's too much to ask? I almost didn't want to write in and ask this because I'm so afraid you're going to say I shouldn't get her help. From Desperate for Support in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you, Kayla. What thoughts come up for you about this one? I feel like having done so much work with such a wide range of ages with type one and their siblings, right? Because you were always running family camp, you ran all kinds of things. Like, I wonder what comes up for you with this. For me, what comes up is um, just this sibling dynamic and how challenging it can be, especially right after diagnosis for the mm -hmm. other members of the family. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on your opinion about this, because I think this is something that comes up a lot in a lot of different families. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a good question. Yeah. So I, I love that. And I, I, I feel like you are going to know as much as me about this, right? Because you've seen families at every step of diagnosis. But I think that uh, certainly at the beginning, the child who gets all the attention is the child who has diabetes, right? So the other children in the family tend to get short shrift. And we ask them in so many ways to put themselves on hold, which can be really hard for them. And this family who wrote in, this parent who wrote in, uh, they're only six months in. So I feel like that, that uh, crisis, more or less, lasts for about a year. Um, before we feel like we have our balance as parents of kids with type one and we know how to do the basics. Um, it, it's kind of, to me, it's like having another child. When you have a child, it takes about a year, it feels like to me, before you really know that there's a person in the house who's new and you know their temperament and you know what to do with them, it feels a little bit the same to me. So this 15 year old kid is still in the middle of that mix of like getting some short shrift and being asked to do more. Um, 
And I do think that siblings in general of kids with type one, um, I think their experience is often overlooked of what the family trauma, how, what the impact of the family trauma is on them. Do you have thoughts? What are your experiences? What have you seen? Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly agree with all of that. I think that siblings in general, um, it's really challenging and the attention shifts for a long time. So um, it's tricky. And then I think in this situation, we're talking about you know a six-year-old who just got diagnosed and then a 15-year-old. And I'm curious about your thoughts on kind of that age difference and how being 15 might be different than if, you know, this sibling perhaps was, you know, eight and what that might look like. Oh, hugely different, right? Because at 15, that, that child, I'm putting even child in quotes there, like half a child, partly an adult, right? Certainly heading that way. And so we do expect a lot of those kids in general, right? They're just about to drive. They can make their own lunch. Maybe, you know, there are things that you can expect some uh, support with or some transfer of task, right? So already you've got a situation where developmentally you're expecting more of this child than you would of an eight-year-old appropriately. And then the question is, how does diabetes play into that? So I think, um, I think it's complicated. And I think one of the most important questions here that this parent doesn't talk about is what does the child want? What does the 15 year old want? How is the 15 year old feeling about um, assuming some care and responsibility? Yeah, I can certainly see that being important um, to ask because you know some 15 year olds would love this kind of responsibility, want to jump in, want to help. And others, I would think are super uncomfortable with it and really have no interest in it at all. So mm -hmm. it would be important to consider this, this unique 15 year old and what they are really wanting. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, I have to say, it sounds from the way this parent wrote it in that this 15 year old seems relatively willing, right? I'm not hearing a lot of rebellion in this uh, question, but some kids like to be helpful and they want to have their, you know, especially if this child's been kind of um, getting short shrift since her brother is getting so much attention, this might be a way of her getting a lot of good attention, right? She's getting a lot of positive kudos for helping this parent. So while I'm not saying that children shouldn't help, of course they should help in their families. And I have a lot of thoughts about helping and what other, you know, what responsibilities children should have. And we also need to think about what's appropriate, why they are helpful, if they are helpful, the ways that we hold that for them, right? So that we're not um, overloading them. So we need to pay attention to what might be too much. And I agree with you. Like if we had a rebellious kid for sure, um, but this child seems like she's pretty helpful. She's willing to learn. Like maybe she pictures herself as becoming a nurse and this feels like a good first step that happens. Right. Because I think that without intending any malice parents in this first year really can't see those siblings so clearly. So I think this parent is saying they're desperate for support and they're kind of desperate for their 15 year old support, which is a little problematic. Right. So we need to think about that. What we don't know is, is there another parent in this household? Because that changes a lot about um, how much pressure is being put on this 15-year-old, right? So if there's a second parent in this house, or if there's a bigger support network, which it, I don't have the feeling of here, 
but let's say their grandparents or their other family members outside the house who can help, then there's not so much pressure placed on the 15 year old. If this is a single parent who's asking all this of the 15 year old, then this parent might not be paying enough attention to the 15 year old's experience. That said, in a single family household, in a single, sorry, in a single parent household, it, you know, children are asked to do more, right? Because there's more that everybody has to carry a slightly different load. But I think it's important to acknowledge and recognize what everyone's being asked to do. Like sometimes we do ask our children to step outside of what's actually developmentally appropriate for them. But saying that and making room for that experience for the child goes a long way to helping, right? Like children understand what the family structure is and they know if they need to help and there's not money or resources to do things. They know that naming it to them also is helpful because then they get seen in their experience. That's my thought about that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I want to make sure that the 15 year old is getting, you know, their own emotional support with all these changes that have occurred in the family as mm -hmm. well, you know, and that this practical step of um, taking care of their brother is important, but their own needs are also important. And how can we balance that within this first year of diagnosis when everybody's struggling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you're holding on to this 15 year old girl so well, right? <laughs> like she deserves it. <laughs> um, and it's hard. You know, I think parents really are struggling themselves and have a hard time making enough room for the other kids. They're desperately trying to just sort of keep that, keep themselves in the diabetes learning curve appropriately and keeping that six-year-old kid, I don't want to say alive because that feels a little overblown to me, but like regulated, you know, um, but, uh, but it is important for us to notice the siblings of our type one kids and do the best we can to tend to them, even if all we can do is say to them, I see that I'm not paying enough attention to you. At 15, that's an appropriate way to say it. At eight, you actually need to do a little more, right? To say, oh, you you want more of me and I get that, right? Um, but yeah, you're right. Siblings really get short shrift. We're gonna take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com. So Joanne, what do you think about, like, let's say this does become something that the 15 year old is doing regularly. What are, what would you think could be maybe some like safety nets for her or some backup systems or ways that she mm -hmm. can still feel supported when she is watching her brother with diabetes? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and you said this yourself already, if she accepts it as a job and she is paid, I think that could potentially shift her feeling of stress around it, right? Because she's choosing it then. And she has a sense of like pride and responsibility in what she's doing because she's making money. Um, if that's possible in this family, 
beyond that, I would definitely be doing check-ins with this child, right? So I'd be checking in with her on some kind of regular way. It could be, I feel like every other week would be fine. Again, it depends on how much is being asked of her. If it's just an occasional dash out to the store, I feel like she kind of needs fewer check-ins than if it's um, being caring for this child, the sibling every day for two hours. That requires a lot more. So I would scale the check-ins based on the frequency of, you know, of care. Um, and I would just ask her, like, what's it feeling like? Is it a lot? I, I know it's a lot for all of us. I definitely think that there's some of this that um, like it's important for you to learn and know how to help with. And some of it might be too much. Like, so I really want to open the door for you to tell me if it's too much. That also implies the parent has options, right? And I want to name that some parents have fewer options. Um, but if this parent can get connected to other people in the diabetes community, they instantly have more options, right? You can share care, right? You can say, hey, if I take your kid for an hour, you know, once a week, will you take my kid for an hour once a week or three hours <laughs> once a week, right? So that you get breaks, right? So it might be that this parent just wants a break, right? And they feel really safe with giving the six-year-old to their daughter so that they can breathe for a second. So we as parents have to do the job sometimes of finding other ways to get breaks. And there definitely are ways to do that that don't cost money by finding people in the community who are willing to share that. Yeah. Do you have thoughts yeah. about that? How would you do no, that? I love that. I feel like that would provide some um, support in different ways, you know, some practical support, but also emotional support in order, you know, in, um, in terms of connecting with others in the type one community. I think that would be important. Mm -hmm. But how would you, do you have any other thoughts, additional thoughts for how to um, check in with the 15 year old? Cause I know you've worked with such a broad range age range of kids. Like, do you have additional thoughts of how you would do that? I think I would just want to make sure that again, that, that open line of communication of what the 15 year old feels comfortable with, even if it is a paid job, I still feel like, you know, everybody needs a backup system. And so, you know, what is she supposed to do if, you know, the, um, you know, she's trying to reach her mom to ask a question about a carb count, for example, and mom isn't answering, you know, is there the next person she's supposed to reach, reach out mm -hmm. to, or, mm -hmm. you know, is the, is the Dexcom going to be on every time that she's in charge? And does that change it when the Dexcom's in a warm up period or not in charge, or, mm -hmm. you know, there's certain activities that are more comfortable than others and kind of put some structure around it for her, like with her and for her, I think would be perhaps a way that could make her feel more comfortable um, yes. so that she yeah. can help, you know, problem solve because, 15 year old brains aren't fully developed yet. And so adding some structure to the way they're able to think about problem solving and emergency situations, I think would make everybody feel more comfortable. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that. You know, 15 year old is so much older than a six year old, but they also have a big learning curve themselves and to know what the support is, um, is important. Oh, I, I, I have another thought here, which is that, and this is radical for somebody who's six months in, um, but there's pretty much no mistake with diabetes that can't be corrected, right? And so, yeah, if you accidentally give 10 units to a six-year-old, that's actually a very large problem, right? And you maybe even need to go to the ER. That's not what we want. But almost every other problem, if you under carb count, if you over carb count a teeny bit, if you run them around a little too much and you have to uh, sit them down and give them a lot of lemonade, 
almost everything is correctable. And I think that we forget that, especially at the beginning, we don't even know that yet, right? One of the tenants I have in my Sweet Talk program is this idea of flexibility, because it is so important to be flexible with diabetes. And I'm not even talking about the numbers, right? Like I'm talking about our emotional relationship to this um, ongoing shifting task. And so as much as this parent can say to their daughter, like we can course correct. It's okay. Like if you get, if you get the carb count a little off, no harm, no foul, we'll fix it later. That if, if this parent can take up that messaging, which is, I want to name almost impossible six months in, but a good goal, right? That will help also because it will feel like less pressure. If this child gets something, if this teenager gets something wrong and the, and her brother runs at 300 for two hours, like it is, the house is not burning down mom doesn't need to get upset with teen. You know, we just need to think what happened there. How do we do better next time? And if he's 600 or if he's not, if he's 600, sorry, if he's 300 for a few hours, what do you do with that? Like you run him up and down the block, you go play a game of basketball, right? What do you do to help with that? Right. Cause I think that helps also. So it's not such a high pressure situation for the kid. Yeah. I love that. And modeling that in everyday life, not just when the 15 year olds in charge, but that's helpful for the child with diabetes, helpful for parents, helpful yeah. for everybody to have that flexibility. Yeah. And very hard at six months, but a goal to be aiming for. The idea is that this is not a crisis almost ever. Like to me, the only crisis is when you're like 40 with an arrow straight down or God forbid, two arrows straight down, that becomes a crisis. But beyond that, everything is just a thought exercise. Like how do we think about it? How do we course correct for it? you know, not just a thought exercise, but a thought, like you just think it through and you make a correction. Yeah. Good. yeah. Anything else, Kayla, that you're thinking of around this question? I don't think so. I feel like we addressed a lot of it. Maybe one thing to, to put out there is just, um, you know, perhaps the six-year-old is too young, but if maybe if this was an eight or nine-year-old we were talking about recently diagnosed with diabetes to make sure we get their input on if they feel comfortable um, with who's in charge of their diabetes. Um, I'm kind of assuming a six-year-old in most cases would be comfortable with their 15-year-old sister taking care of them. Um, but I think, you know, just also checking in with the child with diabetes and making sure they feel good and that this isn't going to be some anxious, uh, you know, activity for them as well, of making sure they feel really safe and cared for as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's tricky. I have to say I have a slightly different view of that because I think mm -hmm. sometimes our kids... Um, sometimes our task is to help them get comfortable with things, right? They might not be as comfortable, but we have to help them because there's certain like practical realities. And I think that we don't want our nine, 10, six, 12, even 15 year olds sometimes running the show on those things. Like, and the, the best example I have of this is when my son was diagnosed at nine, he didn't want to pump and he didn't want to pump and he didn't want to pump. And it went on like that for a few years until finally I said, actually, you can't have this choice anymore. Like I know it's on your body, but it's affecting all of us. And so I'm going to choose a pump for you and we're going to get you adjusted to it. So I agree with you if there's a relational problem between the six and 15 year old, that would not be a good situation to put that six year old in then if they, he has a very bossy, demanding older sister or if he are, if, if they're 
um, if there's a very um, physical relationship between two siblings and the younger sibling is feeling beaten up a lot by the older sibling, that's not a situation where you want to leave that younger person in the care of that older sibling, right? But barring those kinds of more extreme situations, if the relationship is adequate and caring, right, then I would be encouraging that child to, I'd be helping that child to accept that, you know, because the child might feel um, if this parent is anxious, the child might also feel anxious about the parent being away from them. That can happen, but we need to help that child expand who's adequately able to care for them and to feel safe with more people than just mom, let's say, right? Because that's not good for anybody either. So I agree with you, but with some caveats, I guess. Yeah, certainly. But I think just having that conversation and making sure that they are able to also talk it through of, you know, what, what are their concerns and then can we meet them where they're at and understand mm -hmm. what those concerns could be. And, yes. and maybe they have no concerns and probably a six-year-old isn't, but just, uh, I feel like we have focused a lot on the 15 year olds perspective in this. I just want to also make sure we're not forgetting about the child with diabetes yep. too. And, but I, of course I agree with everything you said. <laughs> I love that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky for me. Anyway, Kayla, thank you so much for coming on the show and having such a rich conversation with me about this question. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take care. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.